Hello, everyone, and welcome to Headwise, the weekly video and audio podcast of the National Headache Foundation. I'm Dr. Lindsay Weitzel. I'm the founder of Migraine Nation, and I have a history of chronic and daily migraine beginning at the age of four. Please remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you're not there already. I'm excited to tell you that I am here today with Dr. Matthew Robbins. Dr. Robbins is a neurologist and headache specialist, the residency program director of neurology, and associate professor of neurology at Will Cornell Medicine. Hello, Dr. Robbins. How are you? Hi, Dr. Weitzel. Great to be here with you. Well, I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you for coming. Uh, Dr. Robbins has been on our show once before, but it was a long time ago. We have a lot of episodes, so you may recognize him or you might not if you are a new, newer viewer to our show. But we have a really awesome topic today, something that um, maybe a lot of us have thought about, but we really haven't asked this question. Our topic today is tension, headache, or migraine. Or we could also call it, what on earth really is a tension headache? It is sort of a uh, diffuse thing that we oftentimes can't really grasp. Seems like everyone's had one, but we don't really know what it is. So we're going we're gonna to ask the poor Dr. Robbins a ton of questions, and we're going to hope that he has answers, because I think a lot of them, there we might not have data to know some of these answers, but we're going to ask him anyway. Uh, so... We haven't really covered tension headache on our show. It occurred to me that uh, we don't talk about it as advocates because we focus so much on migraine, cluster, new daily persistent headache. Um, but I think a lot of people assume that tension headache is something that that if you've had a stressful day, it's like this little headache that shows up. And once you're not as stressed, it just goes away on its own. And so um, we want to know about it. And we also are going to want to know if you have migraine cluster and dph if you can also have tension headache pathology in addition to these things so let's start off dr robbins can you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you work uh in headache medicine sure well um as you mentioned i'm a neurologist and headache specialist and medical educator in new york city at cornell um I think um, headache is just a wonderful field because, um, first of all, we have so many great treatments. We have really growing understanding of what underlies these conditions. Um, and you know, part of being a clinician in headache medicine just really is grounded in uh, talking to people and getting to know them, getting to know their lives, getting to know how um, various headache disorders impact them and their family and their personal and professional existence. And I think cultivating those relationships has been really rewarding as a clinician in this field. Okay. Um, so let's go ahead and delve into this whole idea of tension headache. What is it and what causes it? Why is it there? Well, what you talked about in your introduction is really what makes it so complex. It sounds like such a simple entity, you know, tension headache or in the official um, classification from the International Headache Society, people may see the term tension type headache. So here we'll use mm -hmm. them interchangeably. But, you know, tension headaches are really um, almost defined by what migraine is not. You know, they're mm -hmm. headaches that are often both sided. The pain is typically not very severe, although it could be at times. Um, it's typically pressing and not throbbing or pulsating like it might be in migraine. And often there aren't those associated accompanying symptoms. You know, there typically isn't much nausea, light sensitivity, sound sensitivity, smell sensitivity. It's not 
often aggravated or worsened by, you know, sort of any type of movement or physical activity. It's not usually associated with uh, neurological symptoms that might be more specific, like aura, which about a third of people with migraine might experience. Right. Um, so it's 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 kind of a bland condition in a way, because it's mm -hmm. kind of just defined by the headache of a certain uh, type without much accompanying it. Okay. So you said that it's generally less severe than migraine, but what I'd like to ask, just because I feel like I, I, I read various things, can it be severe sometimes um, or, or is it always less severe than migraine? And then I'd also like to know, can it become chronic? Great questions. Yeah. I think like migraine, tension type headache doesn't have to have every single uh, feature that's in the criteria checked off like a box. You know, many people with migraine, they might have nausea and light sensitivity, but not sound sensitivity and their pain might still be both sided and not throbbing, but it may still be migraine. Same for tension type headache. Typically, the associated symptoms are very minimal, if at all, um, and the pain is often more mild or moderate, but in some people it could be severe or in some mm -hmm. people it could be severe on certain days and not others. It doesn't mean the day-to-day -day experience or the same or one attack for one person is going to be identical to the next attack. But in general, those are the overarching principles and that the pain might not be severe and those associated accompanying symptoms might not be um, present very often. Um, okay. But, but like migraine, as you were asking, um, it can become chronic um, and right. likely the proportion of people in the world who have what we call chronic tension type headache, where the headache is happening, you know, on half of all days for at least three straight months is the same frequency as how migraine can become chronic migraine, which, you know, each one could be about 2% of the whole population. So it, it seems to be just as common as chronic migraine, um, but the symptoms themselves intrinsically might not be as disabling, which is why you know, there isn't as big of an advocacy movement, which is why right. in medical education, we don't hear about it that much, which is why in all of our practices, we don't have so many patients who have this condition just because of the nature of the symptoms themselves. I think that that's an important point because I think that in the advocacy world, we are sort of trained to think that once someone has a headache that often, they must have migraine. Um, but it's it's important to know that 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 might not be true. That you can have chronic tension, headache, uh, it's etc. Um, so we should never just assume that uh, that head pain that lasts that long uh, is migraine. Um, does do some people experience nausea and or vomiting with with tension, headache? Or, or is that strictly a migraine symptom? It's a great question. Most of the time, no. I mean, some people and the criteria allow for this where you can have um, um, mild nausea perhaps, um, but you, you generally don't have the full complement of what we associate with migraine attacks, nausea, vomiting, light, sound sensitivity. So you know, nausea could be present, but it's typically uh, quite mild. Um, that's not to say that someone who has very frequent tension type headache couldn't have you know, an odd attack here and there where, um, right. where nausea is very prominent, but in general, it should be pretty, pretty minimal. So um, is it in fact due to muscle tension as the name would imply? That's a great question. I think because of the character of the pain, that's been a big source of investigation. I think mm -hmm. um, what we know about tension type headache, and we honestly don't know all that much. The problem is that it's hard to do studies on a condition that's so 
almost universally prevalent. I mean, almost 80 to 90% of people will experience tension type headache in their lives, as opposed to migraine where it might reach 40% or so. Um, You can find, it's much more easy to find people who've never experienced migraine per se, but for tension type headache or tension headache, it's very hard to find such people. So those comparative studies are very difficult, but yes, there seems to be some genetic factors that um, increase the chances for at least more frequent tension type headache. Um, There's definitely sort of muscle factors that have been identified in people. You know, people have with tension type headache may have um, more tenderness in the muscles around their head, neck, and shoulders. Um, They might have more bands of muscle hardness that could even be measured by certain instruments. Um, There's certainly vascular and brain mechanisms that likely are underlied by genetics that also might be um, involved in tension type headaches, some of which might be similar to migraine in terms of you know, changes with blood flow and how pain is processed in people. Um, but, it, but we don't really know a ton about um, what underlies um, tension type headache because it's, it's such an almost universal experience to humanity, although right. the more frequent versions are, are not as common. Okay. I think that is a very interesting question because I, I don't think anyone really was sure if, you know, when we talk about it, is it really uh, muscle tension or is, is, did that word just come about? Cause that's sort of what it felt like, but a related question is, you know, people usually talk about this type of headache in relationship to stress or I'm, I'm having a rough day. So, you know, by three o'clock, I really want to go home. And so I've got this, this tension headache. Is that relationship true? Uh, is it related to stress? Yeah, I think, um, I think, similar to migraine it's related but not in isolation you know i think um um, similar to migraine it's a condition that features individual attacks that can be triggered by certain internal or external circumstances um, or it uh, may not be at all in many attacks so i think um, similar to migraine there are relationships with triggers that are common but not uh, universal Um, okay so i think you know one situation where the triggering might be a little bit um, more specific, um, often in women who have migraine, you know, menstrual related migraine attacks that happen right around the time of um, a woman's period are extremely common. They, it might be a bit more specific to migraine than um, with tension type headache. So that's, that's one perhaps triggering difference that we know exists. Okay. Can you repeat that? I'm not sure I understood what you were saying. So like menstrual Menstruation is more specific, menstrual migraines more specific to migraine than. Yeah, he- headache attacks that that are associated with um, a woman's period are more likely to be migraine than tension. Oh, right. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, as I mentioned, we have a lot of people in our audience um, with, with headache pathology, uh, like migraine or NDPH, cluster, et cetera. And I can't help but wonder if this constant pain that those of us, especially those of us that are chronic have, can this cause uh, an underlying tension pathology in our heads, give us an underlying tension headache um, or vice versa? If one of us that is prone to migraine, et cetera, experienced a tension headache, might that trigger a migraine? Is, are they related? Yeah, the, the, it's a very comp- it's a great question, but one that's very complicated. You know, the, the it and it kind of depends on the condition. So, for example, um, in migraine, many people with frequent migraine may have days where the migraine features might not be as prominent, um, 
um, you know, such as they, they may not get nauseous. They might not be very sound sensitive. The pain might not mm-hmm. be very intense, but those pain days are still there. And if you took those days in total isolation, you might say, oh, that fulfills the criteria for a tension headache. But mm-hmm. biologically, is it really tension headache or is it just migraine symptoms that aren't breaking through in full? So I think right. a lot of it depends on the context. You know, I think, um, I think if migraine is worsening and these sort of non-migraine tension headache resembling days are increasing, then likely it's migraine biology that's just so active, but maybe not with the full-blown symptoms on every day. Um, that's been studied in the past by seeing if triptans could help people with with tension headache because triptans mm. are you know, migraine sort of specific medications. So that's been looked mm-hmm. at. People who have just pure tension headache don't seem to respond to triptans at all. Okay. Those who have migraine may still respond to triptans on their tension headache days, which has the implication that it's migraine biology even on those tension headache days for people with migraine. In my experience, that's that's pretty likely. Um, that's what I believe. Um, another example um, where it's a bit different is in, as you mentioned, new daily persistent headache, when someone doesn't have very much of a headache background at all, and then one day they awaken or they experience a headache that never goes away for three months or longer. And those people, many of those um, you know, really dreadful days where headache is just constant could resemble either migraine or tension type headache. It seems to be about 50-50 in terms of what mm. uh, what it breaks down into. Um, you know, biologically, we don't know what's happening in those patients. You know, was it related right. to a reaction from an infection like Epstein-Barr virus or COVID or, um, or, or something else? Um, or is it just migraine or tension headache biology that just kind of gets snapped on um, all of a sudden. So right. I think um, it kind of depends on the condition um, and the context in which um, people experience the tension headache days if they have another headache condition. Okay. So I'm going to reword that. You've you've sort of answered my next thought already, but I'm going to reword it because I'm thinking as someone like an audience member, member who's listening and maybe I have chronic migraine, but I, you know, haven't really discussed it with with a neurologist yet. And I'm so curious, um, I get a full-on migraine attack, let's say every five days, but in the intervening five days, I've got a lower level headache. What do I call that headache? Is it most likely a tension headache or is it probably just a low-level migraine? Do we know, or is it not the same for everyone? It's it's a great question because there are people who get only migraine severe days with associated symptoms and then nothing. And then there are people mm-hmm. who get those migraine severe days and then these intervening days of blah, where it yeah. resembles tension, headache, but without feeling really nauseous or being able to not tolerate anything in the environment. So, mm-hmm. you know, Lindsay, we don't know. I mean, I yeah. think that one study suggests that in people with migraine, it's likely migraine biology that's underlying all of the headache days. And Mm. I think in my own practice, I believe that because if we fine tune preventative treatments, we can also, you know, get rid of or diminish those non-migraine days as well. Um, I think sometimes in people with migraine, we reframe the question about, you know, how often you feel like you have migraine symptoms with, you know, how often do you have totally crystal clear days? Because um, those those other, if any, because those intervening days that just kind of resemble tension headache, we want to count those also. Right, right. Because it 
it can get tiresome. I mean, if you have it 40 years and you're like, wow, was there a day in there that I didn't have head pain at all? You know, even if it's only a level four, it gets old after a few years. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess to that end, another, um, another um, interesting feature about migraine is that as people get older with migraine, mm. often they lose some of those associated symptoms. You know, they often, mm. people with migraine often don't, you know, even when often when people are younger with migraine, they have, you know, they get nauseous, they vomit, they have severe light and sound sensitivity. Often when people are older and they've had migraine for a long time, those extra symptoms aren't as prominent and migraine might start to resemble tension headache more. Mm -hmm. um, and even people have aura, you know, some visual disturbance that precedes or accompanies a migraine attack. Sometimes even the aura can segue into a headache that seems more like a tension headache, mm -hmm. but likely it's still migraine biology that's just changed over the years. Um, so it's another interesting um, thing. I think sometimes we get very dogmatic in the classification about the symptoms, but I think you have to take the whole, the patient as a whole, and the long background, the treatments they're on to understand whether those, whether they're migraine, if they have migraine, are those other days really migraine or something else? Yeah, I, I am an example of that just to throw in an anecdote. Um, so I was pretty much daily from the get go. That's in my family. My father was two since age four. We both just constantly had migraine. First memory was migraine. And, but I was just in my 20s and I remember. Uh, and the doctor's offices, they'd be like, oh, gosh, we'll turn off the lights for you. And I remember starting to say, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I've never loved sunlight, but it, I, already in my 20s, the photophobia wasn't so bad. I don't like sounds. I'm always nauseous, but I can handle fluorescent lights. And that started changing even just in my 20s after that many years of chronic migraine. So I, I can attest to that. Things do change. Uh, when you've had it for a long time. And so I remember, but I've always, people are always like, what do you mean you don't mind having the lights on? And I'm like, yeah, I'm over it. <laughs> I mean, so. some of it, I mean, some of it could be like for you, Lindsay, you know, it could be like just the resiliency that your brain employs. And it's mm -hmm. hard to know if it's a part of that or part of it is, um, you know, the symptoms themselves changing. It's It, mm -hmm. it could be a combination of both, of course. Right. Um, so let's go ahead and move to, um, so we, we did talk a little bit, you were talking about using tryptans, how sometimes those work in certain people with migraine pathology. If you're looking and they, they, it looks like they could have tension type pathology too. So you delved into this a little bit, but how do we treat tension headache? What, what can we do for it? Well, I think um, there's a lot of things that can be done, I think. Um, and, and many of the categories of treatment are the same approach that we take for migraine. You know, so there's in terms of the medicines, you know, there's what you can take as uh, symptomatic medicines. When you have an attack, what do you take to reduce the symptoms then and there? For tension mm -hmm. headache, it's really fairly limited. I mean, we have um, anti-inflammatories like aspirin, uh, like non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, um, mm -hmm. like you know, ibuprofen, naproxen, mm -hmm. others. Um, acetaminophen and combinations that have those together, maybe with or without caffeine. You know, those mm -hmm. those are what really has the most evidence for um, tension headache uh, treatment for individual um, days of it. Um, and then, if tension headache attacks are very frequent and disabling, um, and they're in need of other treatments, then there's preventative treatments. Um, there's preventative medications that we could use. Although the menu of the medications that have proven um, efficacy 
you know, that really help to diminish tension, headache, frequency, and severity are much more limited. And it's mostly in the family of anti certain antidepressant medications, mm-hmm. as opposed to migraine, where all different types of categories of medicines that are anti-seizure, anti-blood pressure, various injection therapies, um, 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 and other antidepressant therapies, um, you know, it's, it's much more limited for tension headache. Part of it could just be because it's just not as well studied of a condition. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it is because there were studies looking at things that have been known to work for migraine and haven't been found to work for tension headache at all. Right. Um, and then there's certainly non-medication approaches um, that seem to have evidence for tension headache, including um, acupuncture, mm. including uh, physical therapy, um, mm. including biofeedback and relaxation techniques, including injections like trigger point injections, which right. sort of speaks to the muscle aspects that seem to be extra prominent in people with tension headache as opposed to migraine. Right. So I'm going to bring this up because it I've heard it come up from other people and it just seems to make sense if you're a person who gets Botox all the time. I think it, the way it feels, um, it makes you wonder why aren't people using this for tension headache? Can Botox be used to treat tension headache or chronic tension headache? You know, you would think that it would work, but it hasn't. Um, and for some reason, so funny you know, the, yeah. the, the studies that have been done haven't shown it to um, be terribly helpful in people uh-huh. even with chronic tension type headache. So right. it's peculiar. I mean, it still, you know, makes you wonder why that is, um, but it it just has not um, seemed to help. Uh-oh. Okay. That's, that's so interesting. Um, so I have one question that might sound odd, but for those of us that are for those people that follow our show regularly, we recently did an episode with um, Dr. Robert Shapiro and Dr. Don Buse on stigma. And one of the points that was made was um, stigma can be a lot worse because people we're talking to who've never experienced migraine often assume that migraine or any other headache we're talking about, whether it be NDPH or cluster, is the same type of pain or level of pain as whatever headache they have experienced. And they kept we kept bringing this up and it made me think, well, what headache are they experiencing? Do you think that um, most people that when we're talking like this, they're they're thinking of a of a tension headache. Is that the type of headache most people uh, have experienced in their lives? Yeah, I think Dr. Buz and Dr. Shapiro are right. I think um, that definitely underlies a lack of appreciation for migraine because people think of headache as a symptom that's been almost universal and almost universally in the form of tension headache, um, which although it can be very disabling in some people when it's more frequent. When it's just the odd occurrence one day here, one day a year from now, one day three months from now, um, it's not very memorable and the pain may not be very intense. So I think because headache is such a universal experience, um, it leads to a lack of understanding and appreciation for what migraine and maybe other more severe headache disorders really are. And I I totally agree that um, it's to our disadvantage as people who are trying to provide education and advocacy and understanding for our patients from, you know, other doctors and clinicians in the emergency room or their primary care practices or their employers or their family members. Um, I think um, because everyone has experienced headache and almost always in the form of a tension headache, Mm -hmm. um, it leads everyone to think, oh, I've had that. It's not so bad. Um, And then people who who have migraine that's very disabling or cluster or, or new daily persistent headache 
um, it, 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 it makes them feel falsely relatable to that person who hasn't really experienced what they've experienced. Right. I think that it's important to bring that up because this particular episode is another tool that people can use uh, when they are educating others, whether it be in the workplace or their family, et cetera, uh, sort of in our fight against against stigma. Now, again, I don't like to use the word fight. Um, it's not our job to educate everyone. I think if you're really having trouble, let it go. Water off a duck's back. Uh, but the people that are ready to hear the message, um, this would be another tool you can use in educating the difference between tension headache and migraine or any other pathology that you might be experiencing, um, go ahead and use this information. I think it could be very helpful um, if you are having trouble, uh, especially in your work environment, uh, explaining what it is you are going through. Uh, everything that Dr. Robbins just told us could be very helpful uh, in your in your in your when you're trying to teach someone what you're going through. Um, so, Dr. Robbins, is there anything you'd like to add to our topic today? Um, no, I think um, I think we hit most of the high points. I think um, you know tension headache is extremely common, and some people it could be very disabling, especially those who have chronic tension type headache, which seems to be um, just as common as chronic migraine. But those people don't seem to seek care enough. You know they should seek care, and there are treatments that could really help them. So um, although it might be different in people who only have tension type headache. Um, there are still treatments that we can really use to, to make people better and improve quality of life. I think people with very frequent or chronic tension typetic are often kind of the walking wounded. They still are at work. Um, they can get by enough to function, but, um, but likely really could use major help to, to get their um, symptoms turned around. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Dr. Robbins. And thank you everyone for joining us. Please join us again next week on the weekly webcast and podcast of the National Headache Foundation. Bye-bye.